0: Al-hamdulillah, al-hamdulillah, ala alhamdulillah, it's a great honour and a pleasure to be here amongst you today, mashallah, in this wonderful facility, the Masjid, the Madrasah, the very scenic ambience that we have here. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase this Masjid and the people who run it with Noor hidayah and tawfiq to do what pleases allah the most inshallah um, i think i will concede that um, i failed already because ma'ala tamim just took away everything i was going to say so i concede defeat already so i don't know how i'm going to pull myself out of this loss but we'll give it a try inshallah that was a, mashallah, outstanding presentation on sabr and shukr, inshallah. I don't want to preach to the choir. Alhamdulillah, you've heard so many ayat of the Quran, so many hadith that speak about sabr, etc. What I want to do is perhaps give us an idea as to how um, we see this theologically in terms of our aqidah. What is the aqidah that the Ahl Sunnah wal have with regards to Shar? What's our point of view with evil? Because in the mind of the atheist, God is a terrible God because He creates evil and He creates misery and He creates destruction and he allows earthquakes to happen and typhoons to destroy people and he does everything that's pure evil. This is in the mind of an atheist. So what we need to do is take a step back and try and understand the aqeedah of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jamaah on this issue. And alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave tawfiq to our great ulama of the past. That the ulama of the past, from the sahaba, from the Tabiin and those who followed them, they were experts. They were just great thinkers. And they did not back away from any challenge whether it was intellectual, whether it was physical, financial. They faced challenges head on. They didn't run away from problems. They solved problems. So in this great history of this great ummah, we have a discussion on this, which goes back 1,200 years a time when this was before the Dark Ages of Europe. You know, the Dark Ages of Europe were very dark. Um, But even before that, Muslims were discussing the issue of sharr and khair in public, the issue of evil and good. We were discussing this. So this is the height of our civilization that today, nowadays, people say, Oh, the ulama of the past they know nothing they know nothing what's the use of reading these old books but you'll be amazed that actually when you pick up one of these books from the old ages you'll find fascinating knowledge you'll find discussions that you can't even think of today and here we are in the time of Mashallah Imam Ahmad rahimullah, in his hadith dars. There used to be over 10,000 students. 10,000 students in the doors of Hadith. where do you find that today? You don't find that anywhere. Today. So I'm saying the Aslaaf, our pious predecessors, the people who came before us, we don't use them as crutches. If you want to understand the issue of Taqlid, we don't use the people of the past in order to walk. We use them in order to see the truth, the way they saw the truth from the Sahaba and the Tabi'un. Certainly there was a group of people, a group of Muslims, whom we know as the Mu'atazali. So a group of the Mu'atazali, they claimed that Allah does not create sharr. Allah does not create evil. This is their position, a theological position. The Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah said, No. Allah creates sharr evil, as He creates khair, good. So Allah khaliqul khair was sharr. Allah creates good and He creates evil. But there's one group of, let me say, a bidati group, people of bid'ah. Okay? The multisity were people of bid'ah. They weren't bariluiz, but they were people of bid'ah. They had a bid'ah in the aqidah so they had this bidah that Allah does not create evil because that is now detrimental to the definition of Allah if you say God creates evil then you're going to open the floodgates for atheists and other people to think the way they think but as I said our early ulama they met challenges head-on and they said no allah creates good and he creates evil and that's in the quran that's in the quran it's very clear in the quran that allah creates sure so then the question was okay then how do you explain sure evil in the world how do you explain it explain to me as a muslim that I can believe that Allah creates evil. So this was the question. So the Sunni scholars, as I said, they didn't shy away. And they told us it's very simple. So what is that? That is called equal opportunity creation. Equal opportunity creation. What is that? That if some human being as Someone who's being given this volition, this ikhtiyar, this choice to use a knife to cut somebody's throat or to use a knife to cut an apple. Allah will create both effects. He's not gonna discriminate. Allah is a khaliq and he's equal opportunity creator. So he will create, if you have this niyyah, and he will create, if you have this niyyah, he will not discriminate. <coughs> he won't go against his rules. So in this world, in this dunya, Allah creates for those who want to commit evil. And Allah creates for those who want to do good. There's no discrimination there. Why? Because he is who he is. Khaliq kulli He is the creator of everything. So Allah creates and that is not necessarily an evil thing that Allah creates because say if Allah did not create the evil of somebody who wants to cut the throat of someone then you will say that is now what a favoritism you will say no God doesn't create that he only creates good so he's not a complete creator he will be an incomplete creator so anyway the point of what I'm trying to say is that we must understand the aqeedah behind the problems that we have we must understand the aqeedah behind our failures that's the title of the talk right? our failures how do you succeed after failing them? so first and foremost we must acknowledge that we don't promote fatalism we don't say that we don't take steps and measures to make sure there is no calamity or disaster or problem in our lives. That's the first thing. So we must own up to our own negligence if we have failed. That's the first rule. We can't blame God. That's against our qida. That's against our deed. So we say that let's take an introspect Look into our own actions. That, okay, there was a business. I put so much money in, and I, my business failed. Okay. So what is that? Is that qadar? Is that fate? Is that something else? So for the Muslim, he must look into his own self and see where he failed, where he was negligent, where perhaps he should have done something differently. That's the first rule: that you look into your own action and you judge yourself and you say. I did not meet the terms or the requirements in order to be successful. This was my doing. And this is in the Quran also. When we look at failure okay, at a microscopic lens, okay, then we fall into these problems. If we look at, pro- at problems and failures with the aqidah macro, there's a macro and there's a micro. So the macro aqidah is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already done this for us and that is our, aqidah, that's our iman. Okay. I'm going to come to that in a second but I want to show you is that if you look at the Prophet in which he said that no one has been tested and hurt more than I have been tested and hurt that's what he said. And This is our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We follow his Sunnah. So you look at the story of Taif. So through the Sirah, at the micro understanding of the hindsight is twenty-twenty. We're looking in the Sura backwards. But when he's living this Sirah, when he's living this life, he's failed with the Quraysh. Only a few people accepted him he's failed now with so many of the people the tribes who would come at the time of Hajj and Mosem but he was not successful okay. then he lost Abu Talib then he lost Khadijah the failure after failure. microscopically I'm saying the word failure and Nabi doesn't fail That's our and then Taif. and Taif, the miserable outcome of Taif. Well now, uh, if you were an ordinary human being, you would pr- probably die. You'd probably die succumbing to the pressure of this failure. But the himma of the Prophet subhanallah, as Hassan bin Thabit radiallahu anh, says, min al That the determination of the Prophet is greater than time itself. This is how the Sahaba saw the Prophet. That if you put time on one side of the scale and you put the Prophet's determination on the other side, his determination will be heavier. Failure after failure after failure after failure until you get to taif. And the worst failure in taif. So, what does he do? Does he blame God? What does he do? Does he whine? Does he cry? Does he bicker? Does he fight with God? Why me? What does he do? He says, You want to hear about human failure? Read the seerah. He failed in terms of the dunya. Later on, he succeeded. So, what we see is that the Prophet said that that I'm going to complain about this grief that I have for not being able to do my job. It was my responsibility. To give the message and to convince the people that I failed. He didn't say God failed. He didn't say Allah didn't help me. He said, I, I, I'm entrusting my complaint to Allah. Like Yaqub a.s. did. And then he says to Allah that if you're not angry with me, then I don't care. You see the, the determination. Of someone who has aqidah, someone who has tawheed, someone who believes in Allah, that Allah is in charge at all times. Whether it's good times or bad times, Allah creates. So Allah created those failures in early seerah. And then Allah created the successes also later in later on in Medina. But the Prophet ﷺ did not flinch, he did not waver. And this is the uswa. Hassan of the Prophet that we have to follow. This is the great example of human achievement. No human being has achieved what the Prophet achieved. It's not possible. It's simply not possible. How did he achieve this? By pure faith, supreme belief in Allah the One. As I said, we're reading history. In hindsight but if you were living there at that time and you were with the Prophet ﷺ as Abdullah ibn Masood was, later on as he came out then you can you can imagine the anguish you can imagine the pain because the Prophet ﷺ is a human being he's not a robot sometimes we assume that they're superhuman beings they the robots they don't feel anything they feel much more than we do they feel the pain they feel the anguish they feel the suffering they feel the loss they feel the despair what they don't do is that they don't lose faith they remain firm believers in Allah Subhanahu this miracle of the Prophet is a proof that Allah exists what's the proof of Allah's existence the Prophet sallallahu alaihi that's the proof because he did what no other human being can do It's not possible so first and foremost we must understand that the aqidah we have in Islam is that Allah creates sure as he creates khair. he creates evil and he creates good that's our aqidah based on this aqidah now the Quran gives us an explanation what is that and now look at this how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the, nidham, the cosmology allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how he creates that he has already destined this so now what's the purpose of that if this is all done then Allah gives us the benefit of belief in Qadr and what is that so that you don't grieve and despair if you lose something then you can go back to this idea and a that Allah has planned this for me and you're okay with it you settle down you calm down you relax Which is easier there than done but that's the idea so that you don't become arrogant when you achieve something not to be depressed when something fails you and not to be arrogant when you achieve something which is antithetical to the American psyche in America if you achieve something you gotta have a party you gotta have a plaque You've got to parade. You've got to have this doubt and this doubt and subhanAllah. All the accolades will be displayed in public on social media and selfies and God knows what. But the Quran says you have to calm down. Your achievements are already there in the knowledge of Allah. So you must thank Allah when you achieve something. And you must not despair if you fail something. The beauty of this Aqidah mentioned in the Quran. And then there's one other thing that we must incorporate in this discussion of Musibah, Khair and Shar. Okay. Which is perhaps at the macro level also, but also mic- microscopically we can understand it. Yeah. Tremendous ayah. Every ayah of the Quran is tremendous. But this ayah, really rocks the boat Allah is saying whatever calamity difficulty comes upon you it is because of your own earning you've earned that musibah this is what the Quran says this is akhida and you can't contest this there's only one way to look at this ayah so the ayah is Qati I'm talking to the ulama here. You can't make ta'wil for because of what you have earned. Then another ayah. We'll come back to this ayah in a second. We'll in a second. That commotion, corruption, fasad, fitna becomes apparent on the earth because of what people do. What people do, they create calamities. Superpowers create problems for everybody else in the world. Here's a long list of all the calamities and disasters that, you know, developed countries, unfortunately, impose on other people in the world. We don't have time to get into those politics, but you get my drift. You understand what I'm saying? So many forms of exploitation leaves people deprived, hungry, in want, in need, throughout the world, monopolizing natural resources. They'd rather sink a boat of wheat in the Atlantic than feed that wheat to poor people in Africa. Why? Because the stocks will go down. This is exploitation. So the Quran warns us That you have to be cognizant and aware of this reality that calamities sometimes are man made. Yes, definitely they're written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they're man made. If you don't resolve the man made issues, then you can't blame God for those issues. I I I dare say that most of the people who are deprived of food in the world is because of this a man-made disaster what do we say about that how do we represent this to the non-muslim then one Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah save us and protect us and keep us under his afia in this country you don't want to knock Allah's Rahma too much you know we live in this country so you have to be careful. You don't rejoice when something happens here. Oh yes, Allah is punishing the Kufaro. Okay, where do you live? <laughs> Hurricane came in Friday. Allah says Okay, do you have any relatives who died? Hmm? You have to be careful how you see this. So what does Allah say? <laughs> to give them a taste of what they've done in hope that they might come back to the truth Allah is sending down these tests of earthquakes and no rain droughts and tornadoes God forbid hurricanes and all these natural disasters that come upon people is bima kasabat Aydikum. is what you what your hands have earned is what you earn then Allah subhanahu Taala gives his rahmah also if Allah was to seize and capture people for their sins he would not spare a single creature on earth It's only because of Allah's hilm Allah's eternal rahmah that he keeps the world alive sustains the world so yes Allah creates evil and he creates khair and good whatever there is it's already pre-recorded and the reason we believe in that is so that we don't get ahead of ourselves if we accomplish something and we don't become depressed if we fail to do something and thirdly human beings must look at their own actions before they say whatever they say as i said if your business failed then maybe you made a mistake somewhere go there talk to somebody talk to your accountant talk to somebody maybe your wife she might give you an insight that you didn't have talk to people and you will find that you made a mistake then you can't blame god yes if you're patient there, Allah will reward you as Maulana said. Which is immense. But you still have to correct the mistake you made so that you don't do it again. That's called being responsible. You have to be responsible. Take charge of your actions. Be responsible for your actions. Don't leave it to fate. Trust Allah. And then make tawakkul of Allah after you've used all the means to make sure you are successful. So the way we see failure... In our understanding of how Allah works, is through the institution of Nabuwa. Now, if you look at all the Anbiya, if you look at all the Anbiya, you'll see ostensibly from the outside, initially they failed. As I said about the Prophet. But it's not failure in the eyes of the Prophets, because they all know it's a test. They all know the test. And one test after another. And they endured, they persevered, and they had patience. And they had sabr, and they understood that Allah's rahmah, Allah's rahmah qawm, comes only after patience. And this is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala proves to human beings that human beings can endure, they can be persevering, they can pursue now happiness and everything else. Through these difficult times. And then finally, one last note on this discussion is the issue of success. How do we define success in Islamic terms? What is success? Hmm? maulana mentioned them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we call the adhan, what do we say? <laughs> You come to the masjid, so unless there's food in the masjid, I don't see any success. Where's the success in the masjid? Hayya al-falah. Come to success, Is the falah. What is that falah? What is that success that Muslims believe in? It is abstract, it's not material. It is stored for the day of judgment. That's the falah. Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ تزكى قَدْ أَفْلَحَ Indeed, the one who has purified himself has achieved success. But that's not in material terms. That's not according to the standards of the dunya. So you want to be in Forbes magazine, you want to be a billionaire and whatnot. So we don't measure success with the same yardstick as other people do we measure success according to how Allah wants us to measure success the believers are successful because they inculcate these characteristics in their salat in their persons in their beings in their transactions in how they live themselves they are successful Mm -hmm. so the truth is that failure for a Muslim is temporary it's not even relative it is temporary whatever musibah, whatever failure you have there's only two things you have to do one is first make sure you are not negligent and you did not cause your own failure that's the first thing otherwise you won't be responsible and secondly make dua for falah the Falah of the Darain as they say Falah of both worlds Falah in this world Falah in the other world so we as Muslims have Alhamdulillah through our Aqeedah how the early Muslim scholars dealt with the issue of khair and Sher how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam through his Seerah Mubarakah showed us that this is how you appreciate how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is training you how he's developing you and ultimately he will give you success whether in this world or the world hereafter this is the way forward for people who might feel that they are handicapped by failures in life their failures are temporary if you look at the akhirah and if your akhirah has been sustained by your good moral behavior by your iman by your aqeedah by your knowledge and by your salat salam, zakat hajj etc then inshallah there is no reason why you will not be successful. So we are here, Alhamdulillah, to celebrate the success of Darussalam. <laughs>